Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening and welcome to the History of Germany podcast. Today is a special episode because I have a guest from, well, I wanted to cover a kind of Danish topic. And I mentioned this on the Saxon miniseries. I kept mentioning this in passing in when, when these German emperors would head north. And so instead of, instead of trying to explain this, I thought I'd, it'd be better if I have a guest on the show. And I talked the host of the history of Denmark into, into popping up. So we have uh, Søren Krarup here. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Travis. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and welcome. And so what is... Thanks. Uh, is this so? Is this something that that you learned about in school, the Danaverk? I mean, I guess we should we should back up and define this first. What are we What are we really talking about today? What is um, um, the Danaverk? And 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 also, how do you pronounce it? What am I? <laughs> what's it really called? Okay, so so in Danish, it's called Danaverk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually on my show, I use try to use the English versions of um, of Danish words. So I say Jutland instead of Jutland. Yeah. But uh, Dannevirke doesn't really have an English uh, translation, as far as I can see. So <laughs> I just say the Dannevirke fortification. But yeah. it actually just means, uh, it just literally means Danish fortification, if you translate exactly. it. So yeah, like the Danish Dan- Dannevirke for- fortification yeah. works fine. Yeah. But yeah, um, in terms of uh, learning about it in school, we don't really encounter it until um, talking about the um, Second Schleswig War. And then usually it gives like an overview that this is actually a, uh, an old fortification, but it's not... <laughs> It's not important enough that we actually learn about it um, when talking about the history of yeah. um, Denmark in the 900s, for example. Because yeah, because because we'll get to this obviously, but but uh, I was mm, reading that yeah. it was such a Danish symbol. It was just such a such a you know national symbol. Okay, but anyway, yeah, but that's the thing. So what is it? What is the the Danaverk? Well, it's um it's a fortification that cuts across um, the Jutland Peninsula uh, in the south, and it's traditional. It's the traditional border of the. Um, of Jutland and the uh, Duchy of Schleswig. Yeah, like a, and it's yeah. like it's, um, er, it's an earthen wall, and then it's been strengthened a few times with different materials. Yeah, people people can kind of imagine like it's the same idea behind like the Hadrian's Wall in in Scotland. Yeah, and yeah. You at this very narrow point in uh, Jutland. I I still say Jutland, but that's just German <laughs> pronunciation. But anyway, but um, whatever works. Yeah, um, I'm like it's not Jutland. I would never say Jutland on my show. Uh, but yeah, I heard you say that on your show. I thought that was funny. It's just kind of like where there's a the thinnest point of Denmark of Jutland. Mm. Um, that's the, there's this. Earthen works with yeah, and uh, w- did you say it was like thirty kilometers long? Is that what? You- yeah, something like that. Um, but you have to remember, it's because there's a river that's going north south. Yeah. So the Danube doesn't go all the way across Jutland. It just goes from the eastern coast to the river. Oh, to that river. Yeah. Because the river acts as a as a defense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then I guess it it's you know we should point out that it kind of evolved over time. So this was you know at first yeah, it was very much, very much. Yeah, and. Um, 
if we go into the history of it so so can you give me do you do you know the sort of evolution of it like what uh well, i mean we'll talk about the history later but but you know what what did it look like in the beginning versus the end kind of thing yeah um we don't really know how old it is because as it's with um like early danish history we have absolutely terrible sources or just legends in many cases, yeah. no sources at all yeah and Especially the sagas, that's pretty much the best thing we have, but those are written down in like the 1200s or something in Iceland. So mm -hmm. that's already like 300 years of oral, um, of passing down orally before being written down in Christian times in the medieval period. So, so with all things in, um, in early Danish and Scandinavian history, we, don't, we can't say anything for sure. But we can use some... Um, Dendrochronology, which is when you uh, when you cut a tree apart and then you can count the rings, kind of right. to date things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how we date the um, the earliest fortifications at uh, Jelling, which is the old um, old royal city in early Denmark. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can also do that on the um, palisade on uh, on the Dannebjerg. And the palisade is not the first base of the wall, but it was added around 700 um, 740 around that year. So there you got a date. Yeah. But before that. Yeah, but yeah. for the palisade, the wooden the wooden palisade. Before that, there was also like an earthen wall, mm -hmm. but we don't know how old it is. It could be all the way back from the 500s or maybe just the 700s. We can't really say for sure. Yeah. But then later in the um, in the 1100s, King Valdemar the Great uh, um, fortified the wall with bricks and some towers and stuff. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then um, after that, it was pretty much abandoned. Uh, Jutland has been invaded a few times uh, since that, but it wasn't really used in that context because <laughs> it wasn't really strong enough to hold hold oh, off either. Because okay. yeah, I was even thinking the Germans well, if, or the, Swedes. If, yeah, well, if the battles were further south or north or you know, yeah, or in, you know, yeah, yeah. Just, it just and also at that matter. time, Denmark had both the duchies of Schleswig and Holstein, so Danish yeah. territory extended south, south beyond yeah. the Danube, so it wasn't mm -hmm. really a border between Denmark and Germany anymore. Um, yeah. but also. Denmark didn't, after Valdemar strengthened it with bricks, it wasn't really used that much because Denmark didn't really fight with the whole Roman Empire um, until the Thirty Years' War in the 1600s. So, well, yeah. it did fight with the Hanseatic League, like Lübeck, and I mention that all the time in my podcast, that mm -hmm. Lübeck allied with Sweden and then attacked uh, Denmark or defended mm -hmm. against Denmark. But that was usually like naval attacks, so was it wasn't really say, relevant. Yeah. Naval battles those, or, or uh, totally, yeah, from the north. Or just, from, no, just yeah. transporting troops, really, landing them on uh -huh. the Danish Isles or yeah. going around or something. So not coming, so not coming wasn't from really Germany, marching north through the, through that. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, I was going to say, when the, when the Germans really concentrated their forces on the Danube, as they did, like, with, um, with, uh, with Tilly in the Thirty Years' War, uh, wasn't really strong enough to hold them off. So, yeah, if they just put all their effort into it, they could break it. It's yep. not like... Some, some of the episode anything. I yeah episode I just had was it Otto the second I think he uh, he marched right through mm -hmm. basically no problem you know yeah. um, that was yeah that was Harold Bluetooth actually yeah mm -hmm. that's, uh, but but there's before we get there there's there was one interesting thing I came across which was before the, uh, modern archaeology kind of told us that it was you know from uh, all the way back to the six hundreds potentially. There was a theory uh, for centuries. There was actually a, there was a theory of who built it and um, that kind of thing. Do yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I should have mentioned that actually. Okay. Um, yeah, but but that's also that's a common theme in uh, in early Danish history because 
okay, so what they believe was that um, the wife of Harold Bluetooth, uh-huh. no, rather his mother, actually, his mother, yeah, uh, okay. the wife of Gorm the Old, Tyra Danabot, mm-hmm. um, that she ordered it built, kind of, that's also like a romantic um, vision of the queen ordering the fortification uh, being built. But what this is like um, a product of is just us not knowing when it's actually from and then just ascribing it the earliest yeah. possible king yep. or queen or yeah. or important figure because yeah. as we know it's probably much older but Tyra yeah, and Gold the Old and, yeah, and, later, and Bluetooth are, are the earliest kings so we just say right. he did everything. I, I mean you can just imagine like in later centuries they say oh this goes all the way back to to who? Well to to Bluetooth's mother's time you know or the, the famous yeah, exactly. Gorm the Old or you know the famous builder that built everything that's that we don't know who built it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then they, you know, archaeology shows us it's centuries older than that, even like 400, you know, 500 years older than, than, than yeah. Tyra and, and, and yeah. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there's, there's other works at the same time, I guess we should mention like Alfa's Dyke. And, um, so, you know, there's other building projects happening in this era mm-hmm. in, in Denmark. And, and yeah, there was another theory that, that was the, the earliest stages might have not even been defensive. It might have been like a canal for, you know, for shipping, for trade kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like the Kila Canal. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, so that, and then it kind of, uh, because, because there was a canal on both sides of the ramparts or something strange. So it's like, it wasn't a moat because it didn't make sense. Like, why was there also a <laughs> moat on the north side? So they figured, oh, this must be, yeah. Um, but okay, yeah. So then, let's see what else. I I just mentioned in a couple episodes ago. Uh, I did mention Harold Bluetooth. This was kind of, I guess, the second phase of building because there was you know earlier works and then um, you know an, an improvement done in the, I guess, in the in the tenth century. Mm-hmm. Um, Franks mentioned something in the ninth century, I guess, which must have been before Harold. Uh, but yeah, so I guess I mean the point is that that people were building on it throughout the centuries. Uh, yeah, Otto the exactly. second I mentioned. Uh, so Otto the second is this is this a I, I thought this is a story I've heard before, uh, which I thought was neat. Which um, Otto the Great had had uh, was was allies with Denmark and and Harold Bluetooth, but Otto the second not, and he went off to war. There was fight and and there was you know tribute not being paid. Yes, several times, several times actually. Yeah, and. But eventually there was a peace, and then there was this. Some, according to legend, I guess uh, uh, there was this symbolic gesture done where Denmark was left a a door or a gate so that the emperor could come to Harold's court. You know, it was just like symbolic. I yeah. don't think he ever used it. I hadn't actually uh, hadn't actually heard about that, but it seems uh, seems likely, or at least I get the point of the um, of the. Um like it's, of the legend, even if it's not completely accurate. Yes, yeah. If you like, look at a map of Europe at this point, like the whole Roman Empire is huge, and Denmark has just formed as a as a kingdom. Mm-hmm. So Denmark was really threatened by their by their southern neighbor, and also Denmark was still pagan um, at this time. Right. So this yeah. this whole threatening southern neighbor also played a role why Denmark converted to Christianity. There were mm-hmm. all other reasons also because it gave them like. Um, legitimacy uh, uh, an organized kingdom and also um let them attack uh, sweden and norway because if they were still pagan and denmark was right. christian then it's easier to justify uh, uh, wars against those yep yep um but yeah so hell bluetooth at least it played a part that otto the second was so aggressive so 
Harold maybe thought that if he converted to Christianity, then he could gain some peace on the border, uh, which didn't work out in the end. But I guess it did kind of uh, relieve some tension. No, yeah. So that's um, now that is I, I should mention. So that is where I was in in my in the history of Germany in the chronological uh, miniseries. But mm-hmm. so the data Verica, obviously the history goes on and it's and it's really interesting. Um, and I'll probably never really, really bring it up again. Like I will. I don't even know when I'll get to the 19th century, but it'll probably take me decades. Um, but it does become a national symbol. And we have to remember that for very much so from the time it was built for another millennia, really, it was within Denmark. I mean, it's even called the Danish mm-hmm. works. Okay. But now, um, uh, and it was expanded a it's couple of times, but mostly, mostly like you said, it was abandoned for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. But let's jump ahead to the 1800s. Okay. So we have, um, yeah. I would say, yeah, so it, it's, I'll let you, I'll let you talk because um, because I think this is also one of your I mean you, you know a lot about this the uh, the especially the second uh, Schleswig War in which yeah. in German yeah they are like it's just the German Danish War the second German Danish War <laughs> uh, eighteen what is it sixty four sixty four like yeah yeah every Dane knows that year yeah so go, <laughs> so go ahead tell me tell me from the Danish point of view like it this is yeah this so okay. this is actually well I don't know I I mean I didn't go to school in Germany until the very end I went to an American high school um but I I never learned about this part in in school but I imagine in Denmark just because it's such a national symbol you I mean you do know about this so yeah please yeah Sorry. it's so important okay yeah. so usually the way this is explained um is by going back to uh, post-Napoleonic Europe in 1815, because with Napoleon conquering so much territory and having such a huge influence, he also spread nationalism in uh, in Europe and like created this new order where the borders were set in a certain way. But with these nationalist ideas, which were basically, if you boil it down, it's just every people should have one nation each, basically. Yeah. So all the Danes should be living in the same nation and all the Germans, for example. Mm-hmm. Um but borders didn't really correspond to this because Denmark, for example, had uh, Denmark proper, but then also the duchies of Schleswig and Holstein, and then also a Lauenburg, which was Lauenburg, which was attached to um, to Holstein. But in mm-hmm. um, northern Schleswig, there were majority De- uh, Danish people, but in southern Schleswig, it was majority German, and then all the way down, just Germans yeah. all over the place. So Denmark didn't actually, or a large um, part of the Danish population who were nationalists actually didn't want Holstein and Lauenburg as a part of Denmark because you well you might think well more ter- more territory is good but they really believed Danes uh, should all be in the same country and we don't want uh, the Germans in Holstein and Lauenburg to be uh, a part of Denmark so these were called the national liberals so they were basically uh, classical liberalists who were also uh, nationalistic. Yeah. And they wanted uh, Holstein and Lauenburg to uh, be basically expelled from Denmark or released from Denmark and have Schleswig absorbed into Denmark, like as an integral part of Denmark instead of being a separate duchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of a, it's a legal distinction, basically, but uh, there was a bit with different laws and stuff. But yeah, I... basically, they just wanted all the Danes into Denmark and then the Germans could... <laughs> 
could uh, join up the other Germans. It, it was, but, so, yeah. Well, well what, I, what I want to mention was, yes, there was the language, I guess in the 19th century, the, the German-Danish language border kind of crept north a little bit. But the, mm. the what made, it is kind of weird what made uh, Schleswig and Holstein their separate duchies. I don't, I don't remember the details yeah. exactly, but it was basically a, a change in law where... Um, it was ambiguous because in one in Denmark's law, maybe a woman could inherit a duchy and in Germany's law, they couldn't. So there was like, depending on who you asked, there was two different dukes of Schleswig and Holstein or something like that. Like it was kind of just well, this weird. That's that's not quite accurate because they've been separate duchies for like hundreds, oh, okay. of hundreds of years, like all the way back from the Middle Ages. But then the king, okay. in many cases, well, they Basically, there's a running joke on my show. I haven't really said that it's a running joke, but to me it is that um, <laughs> if the history of Denmark were a drinking game, you have to take a shot every time the duchies of Schleswig and Holstein are divided because nearly every episode they're divided in some new crazy way where you have four dukes at the same time and one of them is also okay. the king. And yeah. it's so confusing. But basically, the duchies are um, divided up with several mini dukes some of them are just titular, where they don't actually hold any lands, mm -hmm. but they're considered dukes, and some of them do have small lands. Um, and one of them is the Danish king at the same time. Yes. Uh, for okay. example, yeah. In, um, yeah. in, in the episode I just did on the Thirty Years' War, uh, King Christian IV of Denmark actually declares war on Germany as Duke of Holstein and not as King of Denmark. Right. So he just says, okay. oh, yeah. Denmark is not declaring war. The Duke of Holstein, which is also me, is declaring war. So again, the confusing, confusing legal stuff. Mm -hmm. But to get back to the, uh, to the Schleswig War, um, it's obviously the second Schleswig War. So the first one was in 1848. And that was pretty much uh, a German rebellion in the Dutchies where they wanted yeah. to separate from Denmark also. Mm -hmm. But at this point, the uh, the uh, national liberals didn't have enough because they they basically wanted the same. They wanted the uh, the Germans out, so yeah, that would be fine with them. But but uh, at this point, they didn't have enough power, so it was just a rebellion which was uh, crushed basically. So Denmark won the first Schleswig War. Then the mm -hmm. second one, Prussia uh, is starting to gain leadership in the uh, North German Confederation, yep. like the alliance of German states, and. Uh, they wanted um, one of the duchy, or at least Holstein, yeah. and a part of Schleswig. They joined with Austria, uh, Austria-Hungary, I guess, or is it just Austria at this point? Austria-Hungary. Yeah, Austria-Hungary. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and they they uh, declare war on Denmark, and so <laughs> they just steamroll Denmark completely. And yeah. um, the the Danewege is um, like there was this idea that oh. The huge foreign powers are coming to attack us, but we'll rally at the Denevier again, drive them back or something. But now, that was just a complete fantasy because uh, yeah, the, was, it, it, it was it just a, a ruin. It, I was gonna it say didn't it have was, any it, defensive yeah defensive properties. I think it, just, it became so, they just, so symbolic at that point that they just that they thought yeah. that in their minds it was this huge wishful thinking. Thing. Yeah. But also, I mean, they did also uh, modernize it in this time. So, so it was outfitted yeah. with like so you have this ancient like earthworks with uh, a palisade. Now, well, it had bricks, I guess. But still, but, but still, now it's the like Russians and the Austrians. And oh yeah, but it did yeah, yeah. nothing. But it still, it's not enough because yep. the the Prussians and Austrians were better trained, better equipped, more numerous, and better logistics and everything. They they had everything on their side, and Denmark was just 
trying to convince itself that oh this will be like Thermopylae and we'll beat back the Persians or something. But right, um, yep. They just this is where we'll the take generals stand were in charge of it. Just yeah. When they saw the the Prussian Austrians come, they just fled north and basically abandoned the Danube without a fight. Um, oh, so the yeah. real yeah. battle, the real battle was at a mill called Tupel Mill. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Danes tried to hold out, but the Prussians uh, bombarded them for for a long time and wore them down. And then they just stormed the um, the ramparts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it, there were like several rounds of negotiations, but they were all they all broke down or didn't resolve the situation. So the war eventually continued, and uh, Denmark just got rolled over. And eventually, they had to cede both, like everything south of. Um, of Jutland, so both Schleswig and Holstein and Lauenburg, including mm-hmm. the Danes in those areas. So the war was just a complete disaster for Denmark. This is we're talking a third of Denmark lost. Yeah, yeah, it's a big chunk war. of land, yeah. and and it's really very good farmland, and the economy mm-hmm. was just devastated after this. Yeah, and remember, this is after losing Norway in the Napoleonic Wars to Sweden, and yeah, uh, the economy already being totally down the drain after those wars then go then 50 years goes by and you lose another third of your entire yeah country if you look at the so. 50 year span denmark was a rump state but europe changed mm-hmm. so much in the napoleonic wars it's like well yeah okay i mean yeah but but denmark definitely um yeah it, it was very different to to like the definition of denmark changed a lot in 50 years that's for sure yeah um and also something i forgot to mention with the first uh, schleswig war um, the Prussians supported the uh, German rebels, but Denmark was backed by Russia. And basically, the only way Denmark won that war was because um, England and Russia uh, wanted to control Prussian power. So they supported yep. Denmark in that first so they, war. Yeah. But Denmark wasn't really able to secure proper support in the second one. And so they just got rolled over. And also, yep. this is um, this 1864 war with uh, with Prussia. If you see it from Prussia's perspective, it was also... Um, the first of the three wars of German unification, right? Where they assembled all the uh, the German states. One one war against Denmark. Then they turned around and attacked the Prussians. Uh, oh no, the Austrians rather. And then uh, the 1870 war with uh, with France. Yep. yep. Stake Alsace Lorraine. Yeah. And uh, with those three wars, formed the German Empire. Yeah. So, so that's also pretty important for German history. Yeah. And so this was just like one of the campaigns basically in that, in that, yeah, those, mm. those major wars. Yeah, this was probably um, the easiest one <laughs> yeah, of those three. Yeah. The, the practice round, but, but yeah, major yeah, blow for We'll practice for on Denmark. the Danes, then we'll take on the Austrians. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so embarrassing. Um, but basically in terms of uh, the cultural impact of this can't be understated because as we just said um, before the war, Every Dane thought that this Danube fortification was impenetrable, mm-hmm. but then they just got completely crushed in the war. Um, so they developed this mentality in Denmark of, okay, we're losing a lot of territory and we can't win wars, but our culture is really great. So everybody just decided to focus on painting paintings and writing poems and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, national Denmark kind of enters a golden age in the 1800s, even though they mm-hmm. lost norway in in the napoleonic wars and lost the duchies and everything mm-hmm. so this is where you see a lot of the famous danish paintings and yeah. uh, national anthems and stuff like yeah. that that comes from this period yeah. because even though they were just getting smashed um in terms of war 
they they just decided okay we'll try the cultural stuff instead it's this, yeah like an inward focus and just uh, this renaissance and yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah um in, in school we learned that um just quickly in school we learned that the motto for this period is what is lost outwardly must be won inwardly ah, that was the there, slogan yeah, the there you go yep Okay. Yeah. And also, often on my show, I say, oh, there's a famous uh, painting of this event. That's almost always from the 1800s, because that's where all the historic paintings are made also, where they, like, glorify the past. Or, that's good to know like, if you're... Well, uh, yeah. The, the Romanticism movement, that kind of happened in a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that is good to know as a student, if you're studying right that stuff. You're like, there's a... Yeah, yeah, when, yeah, when Denmark shrank, that's when all the good stuff, uh, the good artwork happened. Exactly. So, yeah. It's a good rule of thumb. Had um, to compensate, don't we? Yeah, there is there's one more part of the Dana of Eric's history I want to get to. It's the the last chapter maybe um in the 20th century. Uh this is just kind of a neat little story. Um but in 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 the Second World War Oh, the oh Germans... we should do the First World War first. Oh, okay. Well, we we jumped over the First World War the just first quickly. The First World was um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Because the First World War actually established the modern borders because right. um uh, Germany obviously lost the First World War, so there was a referendum in all parts of the uh, of the lost duchies. And this is only this is only fifty years war, fifty years after they lost the duchies. Mm-hmm. So after the First World War, um, there were referendums where the people could decide: Do we want to join Denmark or stay with Germany? Um, and each region voted. So what ended up happening was that Northern Schleswig, which had majority Danish population, they re- rejoined Denmark. Yeah. And all the rest south just rejoined Germany. So Danneberg is still in Germany today, but Denmark at least regained northern Schleswig. Um, yeah. at this, at this actually um, this caused a bit of a crisis because the king at this point, the king of Denmark, he wanted the uh, German city of Flensburg, which is just south of the border. He wanted oh, that to be right. part of Denmark. Yep. And because of that, he actually triggered a constitutional crisis where he fired the prime minister because the prime minister didn't, um, uh-huh. didn't yep. want Flensburg. Yeah, that was and then the he just said, oh, you don't support my yeah. policy? Oh, I, yep. I'll just appoint a new prime minister. But then the people started to get really That's... upset that he was overreaching and everything. So this yeah. is called the Easter crisis of 1920. And this is what eventually broke the mm-hmm. uh, Danish monarchy's hope of uh, restoring their power. So after that, they just accepted and said, okay, we'll not meddle in politics yeah. anymore, basically. Because you can't just uh, do that. And then they became, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, and accept they they accept <laughs> they accepted constitutional monarchy and um and became yeah. like figurehead monarchs. Yeah, which once they the, all when today, the king but. tries to fire the prime minister, that's when yeah. like okay, whoa, whoa, that's if if you can't yeah, do that, but he, but he then thought no it would be a popular having, move. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe it's a balance he, he of thought, power. Like, oh well, you know, yeah, but no, no, that's just crazy. Obviously, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, that is that is that is actually very important for uh, modern Danish history too. That the 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 role yeah. of the king kind of changed in that event, and yeah, that event was Flensburg. That was over this uh, this um, the question of where the border would be. So yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, okay, but but I do want to I do want to tell this or get to this great story in World War Two, which is mm-hmm. um, they're almost the the Danaverk, uh, was kind of saved because it was almost turned into a German like redoubt and defensive structure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first, first of all, Den- first of all, Denmark got invaded by Germany. We should say for those who don't know, <laughs> maybe right. that's obvious. I just feel like stating it. But yeah, nineteen forty, yeah. we got invaded and lost in six hours. In six hours. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. yeah, because they made simultaneous attack both the southern border and air dropping people all over the country. So 
Yeah, got so it was, uh, just got smacked chaos internally, there. and that was it. Yep. Yeah, took the capital with uh, like U boats and yeah. air dropping people. Um, but so yeah, if, no chance. Yeah, if if you go to the Danaverka today, you'll see that it's not overhauled <laughs> into a German armored fortification, but it still no. has the old nineteenth uh, century stuff to it. So how yeah. did how did it? You know, you know the story, I believe. Um, how it got saved by this Danish. Was he worked in a museum or something? He was like a curator, or what? What's the story? Yeah, uh, I think so. Um, I haven't really looked into like which persons were involved in uh, in this event, but basically, the Germans considered turning the Danneberg into an actually an actual uh, armored fortification that could actually be used in the Second World War. Um, but then the Danes <laughs> cleverly argued that. It was Aryan heritage, and yeah. obviously the Nazis want to protect Aryan heritage. So in that way, they got the Germans to leave it as it was. Yeah. So they yeah they left and, uh, it as yep. yeah. Oh, which is so it got which preserved is, in that way by using Nazi logic. <laughs> exactly, which is yeah, which is horrible, but it's also hilarious. I mean, and I think I mean there's a, there's a good chance that the um, the guy in the um, I forgot his name completely, but but yeah, there was it was a museum curator, museum manager, or something. And there's a good chance that mm-hmm. he was, even though he was Danish, he might have been in the Nazi party or something. So I don't want to like yeah, say that he was some, some Danes work. So yeah, so I don't want to say like oh he was super so clever and he's possible. a hero, but but he did, but in fact he did save through this Nazi logic that he was able to yeah. uh, talk them out of. I th- I believe he wrote a letter to Himmler person, you know himself. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of and was really or, or told Himmler about it personally or something to kind of say, like, look, this goes back to this. And this is this Aryan stuff that you're always looking for. Yeah, yeah. So so leave it alone. And they did. So uh, you can go see it. You'll see the uh, 19th century kind of modifications. But uh, but you'll see the Danish modifications. There are no Nazi not modifications. So that's good. Yeah. Um, and also after the, uh, the Second World War, when Denmark got liberated again, there was a, a small political force. I guess it had some popularity, but mm-hmm. they wanted to. It was called the Danneberg movement, and they wanted to reunite Southern Schleswig. So we only got Northern Schleswig back after the First World War, but they want all of Schleswig back after the uh, yeah. after the second one. But it eventually resu- resulted in nothing because it was just it would just create more more tensions in uh, in Western Europe at yeah. a after this time the where they really needed to band, yeah. band yes. together. Every, yeah, yeah, everyone was just like done. Eventually, with Denmark border, and uh, border changes. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, they just settled everything, yeah, we'll and also <laughs> it, it it had really been settled after the First World War. Also, to the it was a situation mm. which, if we go back to the 1800s, the the National Liberals actually got their way because the Danes got to live in Denmark, and uh, there's only a small small um, Danish minority in in uh, northern Germany today. So, I guess it worked out um, like they wanted. Yeah. So it's it's along the 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 lines like the cultural lines is where the border is. So it's kind yeah, of yeah, more or less, more or less, kind of it's natural. A, a yeah, bit, now. It, it was a bit of patchwork. So with mm-hmm. with the referendums there after the first world war, there were there yeah. eventually they got um, minorities in both countries of the other kinds. So yeah. there are some Germans, Denmark, and vice versa. But it's, uh, I, I don't it's know not how very these, significant. I don't know how the referendums were in Denmark. I, in, the, in Czechoslovakia at the time, they also had referendums because that was also an issue that there were, you know, Czech mm-hmm. villages there and German villages here. And yeah, so they, yeah. they just let every village, uh, they just did a referendum in every single village. The problem is, is that 
Now, if you look at a map of the northern border of the Czech Republic, it like zigzags like crazy. You can take one one straight road and you'll cross (laughs) the border 10 times um, just going in and out, which in the Cold War was was strange. I mean, it was it was that was the border between East Germany and Czechoslovakia. Oh, right. Okay. Um, that's fine, I guess. But it, I mean, it's strange because, yeah, they just let the people choose. They were like, this is, you know, th- at the time, they're like, let's make it as democratic as we can. Let's ask, ask everybody what country they want to be in. And uh, so I imagine that was kind of similar to I, the... I don't, I can't really uh, remember the uh, the exact way they did it, but I don't think yeah. they got down to that level of like micro... Like not village to village. Like micro border management. Yeah, no. probably county I think to they, county or something, like region yeah, to region something or like something. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it seems on a map, it seems like the Danish-German border is pretty straight. So, but yeah, if you look at like Actually, I the just, Saxon-Czech uh, border, it's it's you'll see what I mean. It's it's nuts. Okay, yeah, I'll look into that. Actually, I'm there's one more thing I wanted to mention, which um, I can't believe I didn't actually um, um, remember this when we talked about doing this episode. It's it's the uh, Flensburg lion. We haven't even talked about that. Have you heard about that? Huh, it's a statue uh, in. Uh, Flensburg. Uh-uh. Okay, it's a really cool story actually, but I haven't written any notes on it, so I'll see if I can just remember it. Sure. Um, yeah. After the first Schleswig War in 1848, um, where the Danes won, they they um, they ordered a monument built called the Flensburg Löwe or Flensburg Lion, and um, it was erected in Flensburg, which was then a Danish city, obviously, or part of Denmark. But then the Germans, after they took the Dutchies. They send it to Berlin and paraded it as a as a victory monument. Like, hey, we got uh, your lion. Yeah. Aha, we've beaten you. And then I think maybe it was melted down to cannons or something like Prussian cannons. Um, but then it was sent back after the after Denmark and and Germany became friends again. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think they they made a new one and then sent it back to Flensburg like <laughs> as a peace monument. Like we're sorry, it's something <laughs> like that. I'm not sure if it was um, melted down. Maybe that's wrong, but I think maybe it was melted down and then a copy was made later. But basically, yeah. people can look that up themselves. It's called the Flensburg sure. Lion. Yeah, and then and later like, they're like, you know, a, a triumph Flensburg. through Berlin. Maybe that wasn't so sensitive. We're sorry, Denmark. Here's, yeah, yeah. Here's your lion back. Yeah. Yes, so. I think it's in a graveyard in Flensburg today as a as a monument for the for the wars and everything. And yeah, yeah, that makes friendship sense. Friendship between Denmark and Germany. Yeah. I think that's a good note to end on, actually. There you go. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. So now, I mean, today, if you want to go see it, you have to go to Germany to go see this um, Danish national symbol, really. Yeah. Um, but, but again, but yeah. it's right up against the border. So Flensburg is like the ideal place for it to be. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, kind of yeah. like how how Strasbourg in uh, between yep. France and Germany is also a symbol of. of Peace between those two countries, and, kind of and, the same with Flensburg. Yeah, and I, I haven't been to that. I haven't even been to that part of Germany, like that far north, and I haven't been to Denmark. Um, but I do love Actually, border the, regions, of, like the area where the borders, yeah. the cultures mix, is just my. Those really are my cool. favorite parts of Europe. Um, so. Actually, lots of Danes commemorate the peace by by going down to the border and buying cheap beer. That's kind of our okay. way of. That's the tradition now. Yeah, <laughs> of celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, there's a lot of border trade there, so at Flensburg. Yeah. yeah, so now, yeah, everybody's brothers in the EU, and yeah, we're all happy. So yeah, um, yeah, cool. For well, now at least. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> temporarily. <laughs> no, um, yeah. So I mean, there's a there's a good um, thousand fifteen hundred years of history 
uh, hidden in that in those earthworks and that those those fortifications there in the Dana Verica. So yeah, I just um, I kept bringing it up in passing. So now I, I felt like we've kind of done it justice, and uh, I, that turned into a I really into do hope it. Uh, yeah, I hope it it goes on the UNESCO World Heritage. They're trying to to get it recognized. I think it really should. I mean, yeah, I think uh, lesser important things are are in the UNESCO World Heritage or lesser <laughs> yeah, lesser nationalistic they... symbols or you know that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think they made like a, an application a few years ago, but it takes some time for it to get recognized. So maybe in yeah. the future. I'm almost certain that, yeah, it would be. But um, cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, it was, it was a pleasure having you on the show. And uh, thanks thanks a lot for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And okay. and also, um, in case people want to find your show, why don't you tell them, you know, where, where people can, can find Serlin or, and, um, you know, what, what, yeah, go ahead. What's your what's yeah. your link and, and it's the- uh, the history of Denmark. Pretty self-explanatory. Uh, just type that in Google and it'll pop up on uh, on iTunes or type it in your podcast app. The website is called thehistoryofdenmark.wordpress.com. So it's a blog page. I do have a Facebook page, The History of Denmark Podcast Listeners. Um, okay, but yeah. there you go. Yeah, just so like like that Facebook page and yeah, keep in touch. There you go. And otherwise, the History of Germany podcast is a member of the Agora Podcast Network. The podcast of the month is The History of Islam, which I also highly recommend. Uh, There's a link to that and my other shows on podcastnick.com. That's podcastnik.com. Give Søren's podcast a listen, The History of Denmark. Come find us both on iTunes and give us both a rating, why don't you? That really helps us out. Und bis zum nächsten Mal. Danke fürs Zuhören.